Folks, let's begin our meeting tonight turning to the hymn 638. Visit us, Lord, with revival stricken with coldness and death, where is our hope of survival save in thy life-giving breath? And I trust our prayer is, Lord, send us revival. Let it begin now in me.
Let's bow together and seek the Lord in prayer. As we do so, we pray for that spirit of revival, the quickening of God to be known. We don't want to come here just and while away an hour or so. We want to be in the spirit. As John was in the spirit in the Lord's day, we want to be in the spirit at all times. So let's pray to that end. Our God and Father, we come to your presence now through Christ our Redeemer. We come to spend this time at our midweek service in your house with your people. We believe that you have bidden us to come. What a gracious invitation for the church to gather together with our focal point being the Lord himself for he's promised to be in the midst. We come seeking that spirit of revival that we've been singing about tonight. And truly we can say, where is our hope of survival, save in thy life-giving breath? We look around us in our country and we see so much to disturb us. We see many of your people and they're hankering after the world. And they've gone after the things of this earth and made them their gods. But Lord, you've given us at least a desire to be here tonight in a place where the Bible will be opened and studied and where prayer will be made. And we pray for the Spirit of God to come upon us, make us alive to the things of God, to give us an excitement in our heart as to where we are and who we are meeting with, and to create soul thirst for God himself. Lord, we don't want to sit in this meeting and just go through the motions of a service. Lord, we don't want to be here merely out of duty, and we know it's our duty. But Lord, we want to really meet with our God tonight and fellowship with him. Know his presence, hear his voice, be drawn out after him. Lord, give us desires in our soul for God. Pour out your spirit upon this people now and those that are joining us on the internet. Let there be that spirit of revival created in us all. Stir our hearts in these days and bless your work, gospel work, the work of evangelism, the spread of divine truth as we reach out to a perishing world and we seek to win the lost to Christ, Lord. Bless the witness and the testimony that we give at our special gospel meetings. Bless your word to the hearts of the unconverted. Remember the seed that was sown at the mission time. Remember the seed that has been sown since. And we think, Lord, even of this coming Lord's Day and the special remembrance service that will be held. And we know that many will be there without the Lord. Oh God, give us the help to present Christ as he's freely offered in the gospel. To be faithful to the Lord in all things. Lord, we pray that you will come and, and touch us, Lord, and breathe upon us afresh. Thank thee for bringing our sister Aline through her surgery and for her return home as she seeks to recover by the grace of God in these days, we pray that thou wilt be with her and that thou wilt mend the body and heal up the wounds and alleviate her of any pain and discomfort that she's in. Remember others that are laid aside. Lord, you know them personally. You know those that are in hospital this very day, those that are suffering at home. Lord, we commend them to your grace. Hear and answer our prayers tonight and bless us as we fellowship the one with the other. Remember our Ukrainian friends that are here we know that for many of them, English 
is not a language that they fully understand, but we pray that there'll be enough tonight to bless their souls and encourage them in the Lord as a result of their attendance here for Jesus' sake. Amen. You come tonight and it's lovely to see you, especially when it's a, a wintry night and some of you have traveled a few miles to be here and you come and you face the, the blustery weather. We really appreciate that, that you've made the effort. Uh, those that are joining us on the internet, you're listening in tonight, being part of this congregation, we trust that you'll be blessed at home. I, I met a lady this week at the shop and uh, I didn't recognize her, but she recognized me. She said, we listen into your services here. So it would surprise you, the people that do uh, join us and listen in, be part of the church, even remotely at a distance. If you're even more remote than Balamuni, you're, you're from a greater distance, listening in from another country, we bid you welcome also. And we know that we do have friends that listen in from afar. Some announcements we want to make. Remember, young people, you're, you're not here tomorrow night. You're in Randallstown. And it's a special week that they've been having. It's a week on the subject of Samson, the story of Samson. Uh, the Reverend Joshua Moffat is the speaker. He's been speaking all week. They're having good meetings, I hear. And tomorrow night, our young people are traveling to be part of that, leaving the church at 7 o'clock. So I hope that everything is translated there if our Ukrainian friends are able to go, the young people tomorrow night, that that, uh, through my Google Translate, makes sense. That's the wee advert that's been going about. Um, we pray for the young people as they gather night by night. Please remember the Lord's Day, we gather for prayer, 8 o'clock. Sunday school is 10.30. Bible class at 10.45. Greg, who's with us tonight, will be speaking. Worship service, 12 noon. Uh, it's Remembrance Sunday and I want to just break off from Mark and bring a remembrance message. I, I believe there's something that the Lord would have me to say on Sunday morning. Then Sunday night is our Remembrance um, Day service, a special meeting. Uh, David Johnson will be here to give his testimony. Uh, the Hebron Choir will be singing. In the Word of God I'll be preaching and again preaching something that's, that's appropriate. Will you remember this service? We get a lot of people in who are not saved. The chief constable has attended in the past. He's planning to come and, and other guests that will be along. If you can share this on social media and invite your friends to come along, I've been doing it as best as I can with those that I have contact numbers for. Refreshments will be served. We're asking the ladies to help out, as you know, with the sandwiches and the buns. Then, this is an important message. We do need a congregation for Monday night. That's this Monday night, the 14th of November. These are for the recordings in Lurgan. And if you can help, there is a sheet for you to put your name on. Uh, Jonathan, who's a member of the Let the Bible Speak committee, is away at a Let the Bible Speak event tonight and can't be here, but I know he's trying to encourage some of you to go. I think we might have eight or nine, and they, they want us to bring 25. Is that possible? Is that doable? We will provide transport. We can have our church minibus leave around six o'clock, and that should get us there uh, in good time. So we're appealing to you, if you can go and be part of that congregation, uh, there's three services, short services, 
I'll be preaching in one of them, and as far as I know, I'm leading the other two. Monday night is our Sunday school teachers' prayer meeting, and, and they need to be here to pray. I know that. But for many of you who are, who are not teachers, we would love to see you on Monday. Just mentioning the Christmas dinner again, probably most of the names are in by now. We'll have to get the names to the Macra Boy. Um, the last time I looked at the list, I think there were upwards of 150 so far. So please make sure if you're going to get your name on the list. The calendars for Let the Bible Speak are available, five pounds each. And I think that's all the announcements I need to make. Just maybe to say, um, regarding Youth Challenge, they're having a special meeting this coming Tuesday. And there's wee invitations here. If you'd like to use this invitation to give to a child, uh, they're having a pizza night. Uh, pizza, a slice of pizza might bring a child in. And if it does, well and good. We want to see the children of our area brought in under the sound of God's word. And it's just lovely to see neighbours and strangers coming in, families that are not uh, directly connected to the church, and yet the children are sitting here on a Tuesday night, and that's a delightful thing. So maybe you could help out with that. Go to sing McShane's hymn 380. When this passing world is done, when has sunk yon radiant sun, when I stand with Christ on high looking o'er life's history, then, Lord, shall I fully know, not till then, how much I owe. Not until we meet the Lord will we really fully understand how much we owe him. And I hope that that sinks into our heart here on earth because when it does, it's a great motivation to serve the Lord when we think of what we owe him for his grace and his mercy towards us. We'll stand to sing.
and chosen not from me, good in me, and we'll sing it without the music. open our Bibles to Exodus 15. I'm going to read some verses from the end part of the chapter, reading from verse 22. Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees. And they encamped there by the waters. (coughs) May the Lord bless the reading of his word to every heart. Let's just pray briefly. We thank you tonight, Lord, that you put your love upon us from eternity. You called us in grace and time. You drew us with irresistible love and grace to Christ. You redeemed us with the blood of our Savior. You dealt with our sins forever. And you gave us peace with God through the blood of the cross. And you put into our hearts the joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. You set our feet upon the rock and you established our ways. And we're looking now for all that is before us. For heaven is our eternal portion forevermore. We thank you for your word that we've read. And we pray that you'll speak to us now as we meditate a little time in these verses. We pray for the teaching of the Holy Spirit who is the great instructor 
Sit with us. Point us in the right way. Give us grace and wisdom to understand divine truth and apply it mightily to the heart of all that are here. Give this preacher a clear mind, a heart that is full of passion and love. Help me, Lord, to preach your word tonight and glorify Christ as a result. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 15 of this book opens in great triumph. In fact, it contains the song of Moses. Moses' song was an anthem of praise and thanksgiving after the deliverance at the Red Sea. Remember how Israel came to the coast of the Red Sea, having been brought out miraculously from the house of servitude where they had labored as bond slaves for some 400 years. They were able to testify by strength of hand, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. This was the mighty doing of God. And in this song, they acknowledge it was wrought by the Lord. And he begins to lead them by the way of the Red Sea. The Lord goes before them in a visible, comforting way, displaying his divine presence in the pillars of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And they arrive at the coast and there they set up camp. But the Egyptian armies follow with their thundering chariots and threatening armament. And they were hemmed in. Before them is the great expanse of the Red Sea. Behind them is the magnitude of the Egyptian army pursuing them. And on either side the hills to which they could not flee. And so they are very much hemmed in here at the sea. Look at the previous chapter, chapter 14 and verse 10. And note what this verse tells us. When Pharaoh drew nigh... The children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And then I want you to notice what happens in verse 13 and 14. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Notice the first thing that God did. We have it recorded in verses 19 and 20. The angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Notice the second thing that God did. And we have that in verses 21 and 22. Because he makes a way when there is no way, as God very often does. Sometimes we come across a situation and there doesn't seem to be any way. No way forward, no way backward, no way to go either side. And we're just like Israel, we're hemmed in 
But God makes a way when there is no way. Look at it there, please, with me. Verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. The wind blew all night and created this great channel so that the Israelites could march forward, God making a way when there is no way. And of course, the miracle of it all is that where they walked was dry ground. When you think of that sea that had been sodden for hundreds and hundreds of years, and yet through the act of God, the, the ground upon which Israel marched was made dry. The way of deliverance for the Israelites became the road of destruction for the Egyptians. They pursued them into the open channel, into the midst of the sea, but the sea, the dry seabed, became a boggy, waterlogged passageway. Their chariot wheels became stuck and fell off. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the mighty walls of water on either side closed in upon the Egyptians, and thus the enemy was destroyed by an act of divine judgment. And so the song of Moses is chanted. It is the result of this spectacular salvation wrought by the omnipotent hand of God. Note some of the verses of this song just to give you an idea of the joy and the jubilance that was in the hearts of these people. For example, verse 2 of chapter 15. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation he is my God. I will prepare him in habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 6. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together, the flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Verse 10, Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness? Fearful in praises, doing wonders. Thou stretchest out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. And so we see what's happening here. We see what God is doing. From the mighty exodus that had taken place from the land of Egypt. Coming now to the borders of the Red Sea. This passageway opening. God providing a way when there was no way. The children of Israel marching to the other side. And then their enemies being destroyed. And that brings this song of Moses. This song of joy. Rejoicing in God. Giving him praise and thanksgiving for what he has accomplished. But I want you to notice tonight how quickly circumstances can change 
It did so for Israel, and so often it does for us. We read tonight in verse 22 and 23, and I want to read them again. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They came to Marah, and they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. Observe how suddenly and unexpectedly their joy turns to sadness their song of lamentation, their song of joy to a song of lamentation. Note how their victory is now changed to grumbling and a murmuring spirit in this passage of Scripture. And we need to remind ourselves tonight how quickly changes can take place in our lives. Because, brethren and sisters, we can be in blessing, we can be on top of the world. Riding on the crest of the wave. Enjoying God's deliverances as these people did. Seeing our enemies overthrown. And have that song of joy and praise in our heart to Almighty God. And then suddenly, unexpectedly, our circumstances change. I want to note tonight three experiences in our earthly pilgrimage. And we have them here in our Bible reading this evening. I want you to notice in verse 22 that there is the wilderness experience. And that's the barren place. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and they found no water. The wilderness of Shur was an expanse of land south of Palestine. Or more exactly, south of Beer. Laharoi and the east of Egypt. For three whole days, Israel marched through this desert. And you want to think about that. You, you can read a verse like this so quickly and, and maybe not take in exactly what's happening, but I want you to think about what's happening here. They traveled three days and they traveled three days without water. And we have to say that that was drastic. That was a severe and sore trial. For these people to face. Think of the long march. Think of the hot climate. Think of the weariness and the the great fatigue of these people. You know man can do without food for many days. I was just looking it up. How long a man can do without food. And they reckon two or three months. We've seen people who've come to the end of the journey and they haven't been fed for many, many weeks and they've lingered on. But man cannot do without water for very long. And these people have marched for three days and they haven't had any water. In fact, when you Google how long you can do without water, they reckon just about three days or so. The wilderness is not a pleasant place to be, especially without water. Water is our lifeline. If you've been deprived of water for three days, you're going to be in pretty bad shape. Now, we may not properly understand such dilemma in this country because we've got water in abundance that comes from unnumbered sources. And nearly every day at this time of the year testifies to that. The rain comes down. And we turn on our taps. We have an abundance of water. We have our rivers, our streams, and our lakes, and all that. There's plenty of water here in Northern Ireland. But if we were called 
to journey without it. To go to some desert place where there was no water. I think we would prize it all the more. If we, we lived in some of these hot countries. Some of young people, and it's lovely to see the young people tonight. I'm just going to say this, by the way, we, we sent a special text to them today to encourage them to get to the prayer meeting as many often as possible. And it's good to see you maybe responded to that. You maybe come anyhow. Uh, but it's lovely to see young people in the prayer meeting tonight. Some of you have been uh, to these hot countries. Some of you were in Romania last summer when the weather was even hotter than normal. So you know what we're talking about. When you're outside, you don't want to be outside too long without water. When you're running about, Wesley's smiling because he, he did need a defibrillator, but we didn't have one to give to him uh, as he was running in extensive heat. And the other young people too. But you know what it's like. The first thing you want is water. And these people have traveled for three days in the wilderness, in a desert place, and they've had no water. Now, sometimes the Lord allows us to pass through what we're calling tonight the wilderness experience. And there's barrenness, there is dryness, there's desolation. You might ask the question, why? Why does God allow his people to enter the wilderness? He allowed these people to enter the wilderness. Well, sometimes it is to very simply prove us. God tests his people. He allows them to enter into a wilderness experience to try them, to test them, to prove them. Sometimes it is to correct us. He whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, he chasteneth. We know that and sometimes the wilderness is there so that we might be corrected. And sometimes it is just simply to draw us to draw us closer to himself. For surely in that wilderness experience, as we find ourselves in such a place, our hearts, well, they should be, are drawn out after the Lord. And so in these times we become dry, we become thirsty, we become parched. And we long for the spiritual water, we, we desire it, we cry out from our hearts, we can pass through the, the barren experience personally and we can pass through it sometimes collectively. Sometimes this is our lot in a personal way. It may be that the, the rest of the church and God's believing people around us are rejoicing and they're not in this place, but, but we are. As an individual, we're allowed to go into the wilderness experience and we feel so dry and parched within. And then at other times it is a collective experience when, when that barrenness is spread right across the, the church of Jesus Christ. David found himself in such a place, you remember. He speaks about it, he writes about it in Psalm 63 and the opening verse. If you want to turn to these places, it'll help you. Uh, it's good to see as well as hear. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. And then notice what he says here. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. You want to notice the title of the psalm? 
because it lets us know where David is. It's a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. He's physically in a dry and thirsty land. But he's also there in a spiritual sense because he's longing in the next verse to see the power and the glory of God again as he he experienced it in the sanctuary, in the house of God. He's longing for God's house. He's longing for that blessing of, of being in attendance at the house of God. It's a place where he knew refreshment and blessing. But now he's isolated. He's in exile. He's in a dry and a thirsty land. And that's what his experience is. And that can be our experiences as Christians. Sometimes there, there are the barren seasons of prayer. I don't know how it is with you at home and what your prayer life is at home. I can't answer for that. But it's very possible that at some time or another, as an individual, you'll enter into a period of time where your prayer life is not what it ought to be. And, and even though you make an attempt to pray, you soon find out that you're in a, a dry place. And prayer doesn't come so easily. In fact, it's a real battle. It's a real chore. That can happen in a collective time when we come to God's house. And here we are tonight. This is the midweek service. Midweek service is for fellowship. It's for Bible study. And it's for prayer. And we will come to that time of prayer. Don't we love the times when there's just one prayer after the other? When there's no waiting? And I'm not talking about gaps that are created by the Lord where people are groaning before the Lord and they're so burdened they can hardly pray. I'm just talking about sitting in an ordinary prayer meeting and sometimes there's not the spirit of prayer that we would love to have. We, we like to see people pray, want to see them pray one after the other with desires after God, thirsting after God. But sometimes in our prayer meetings we have to say that our prayers can be cold and barren and dry. Sometimes the very words will be out of themselves are like that. And then other times there's not many utterances and, and we're just waiting there and nobody's praying. It's a barren time. It can happen. It can be our experience. And then, of course, there's the barren instances of, of Bible meditation. You know, this is God's book that he's given, preserved for us. And we're glad about that. We're, we're glad that we have the word of God in our language that we can take down and read every day. It's God's message to our hearts when we come to it. And we ought to be found often in it. But there's, there's times when we come to this book and it just seems to be so dry. And our hearts are barren and they're cold. And we can read a chapter and we can seem just to get nothing out of it whatsoever. We always long for those times of refreshment when the word of God is alive to us and a real blessing to us. But there can be such barren times, brethren and sisters, and I think you know what I'm talking about tonight. There can be barren times of soul winning. We would love to see the church of Jesus Christ on fire. We would love to see every individual on fire for God, reaching out to the souls of men, being that witness that we ought to be. But there's times that our witness to the outside world is a silent witness, and it's because there's coldness, there's barrenness, there's dryness within and we're not telling forth the gospel the way we should. And souls are not being brought to Christ the way that we would desire. A barren time when it comes to soul winning. And what about those barren spells of worship? 
It ought to be. And we speak about this often. The joy and the delight of our hearts to come to the house of God on the Lord's day. As one of my in-laws said to me, I know your favorite day is Sunday. And I do love a Sunday. I love a Lord's day. I love to begin it early. I love to have a long Sabbath day. And I love to come to the meetings, the prayer meeting in the morning. And then the other services as well. Love to be in God's house. Bible speaks about the joy that ought to be in our souls coming to church on the Sabbath day. That's the way it ought to be. Coming, taking your seat in, in the meeting with glad anticipation of what God is going to do in your heart that day and how God is going to stir your soul, maybe in the singing of a hymn or the reading of the word or in the preaching of the word. But there's, there's times, brethren and sisters, when we can come and our hearts are not where they ought to be and they're, and they're barren. And they're dry, just like the parched ground. And we can sit in church and, and we, we, we receive no benefit whatsoever. Because we're not really, if we're honest, we're not really in touch with God the way that we ought to be. And then there's the barren times of the Christian life individually. And it just seems to be one day after the other, this is how we are in our souls. And this can happen to the child of God at some stage in your life. In fact, it could be in, in different stages of your life. Very sadly, it's the oft experience of many of God's people. Maybe even now. Yeah, you've come to church, you've come to the midweek, you've come to this meeting. But if we were able to look right into your heart, all we would see is, is this picture of the wilderness experience, the barren place. There are many pictures in Scripture that speak about this condition a land parched and desolate, a dry and thirsty land, a barren womb, a valley of dry bones, a fig tree without fruit. It was the story that Jesus told, you remember, in the New Testament about the fig tree that produced no fruit for three years. And because it produced no fruit for three years, you remember, the owner says, cut it down, cut it down. And sometimes we're like the fig tree. And very sadly for some Christian, Christians, it can be for years. And they can just go through mundane experiences with God. And their experience is the wilderness experience. You know, water speaks of refreshment. And that's what these people needed. They traveled for three days in the wilderness of Shur. And there was no water. But water was what they needed. And it should be our cry in such seasons of spiritual barrenness for the refreshment of God, for the water of God to come. Oh, for the floods of a thirsty land. Oh, for a mighty revival. Oh, for a sanctified, fearless band ready to heal its arrival. The wilderness experience. But look at the next verse. We have the Mara experience. And this is the, the bitter place. So we come back to our reading in, in Exodus 15. And when they were come to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah, because that's what the word means. In the original it means, it means bitter. In the wilderness of Shur, they had no water. Now at Marah they had water, and it seemed that there was water in abundance. Oh, what joy there must have been in the camp 
As news was conveyed, rank after rank, there's water ahead, there's water ahead. They must have been so excited after the three days of no water. But there's a great problem. The water was bitter and they could not drink. And sometimes the experience of life's journey can be described in such a way. It's a bitter experience for us. The Christian can get into a place where where bitterness could rightly describe what, what he or she is going through. Have you ever been there, child of God? I suspect that some of you, many of you, if not all of you, at some stage you've been in this place. And, and there's different reasons why bitterness might come. There's the bitterness of sorrow, for one thing. When we enter into a period of sorrow, and those that are precious to us, loved ones and friends are taken. When somebody dies that you love so well, and you miss them so much, very often you feel a bitterness in your heart, don't you? Naomi lost her husband and her two sons, and it was a bitter experience for her. Let me read to you Luke, or Ruth chapter 1 and verse 19 to 21. <clears throat> so they're returning now to Bethlehem, having been 10 years away in Moab. They've heard that, that all's well now in the place where there had been barrenness and famine, and there's bread. And so they go back. But she's going back without a husband. And she's going back without her two sons. So they too, that's Naomi and Ruth, they, they went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city were moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? It's not quite recognizing her. For whatever reason. Well, 10 years have passed by, but 10 years shouldn't have made an awful lot of difference. This woman has come through hardship. Is this really Naomi? Verse 20, and she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me? I went out full. She wasn't going out full because there was plenty in Bethlehem. There certainly wasn't. They, they left that place because of famine. She went out full because family was everything to her, her husband and her two sons, and she's coming home empty. She went with there were four of them all together, her and the other three. She's coming back by herself as far as the original group is concerned. And she feels the bitterness of losing her husband and losing her two sons. And she feels this so much in her heart. Because you see, sorrow, especially multiple sorrow, can cause great bitterness. Not only the bitterness of sorrow, but the, the bitterness of suffering. When we enter into a time of great adversity... And suffering, it can prove to be better. It was so for Israel. Down there in Egypt, go back a wee bit in their history now. And that history is recorded for us in First Samuel. And the opening, sorry, Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. So we're going back 
quite a few years now. They come down to the land of Egypt and they've been there in blessing for quite a period of time. But you know the story, the passing of, of Joseph and the passing of King Pharaoh who had been kindly disposed to Joseph and a new Pharaoh comes and Israel are made slaves in this place where they are slaves for 400 years, by the way. In Exodus chapter 1 and verse 14, we're told they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage. All the affliction, the suffering of Israel at this time as slaves. And this is how it's described. It's, it's a bitter experience. Job, what he passed through, his trial, his great trial, was a bitter experience. In Job chapter 23 and verse 2, Job testifies, even today is my complaint bitter. That's how he felt. My stroke is heavier than my groanings. You go on to read what is written here and what Job says. You'll find that his place where he was just now in this history was a very dark place. He couldn't find the presence of God. Couldn't even discern the Lord's nearness in this bitter time. That must have made his bitterness even worse. Where can I go to find the Lord? I look all around me. I look to my right. I look to my left. I look forward. I look backward. But I just can't find the Lord. I wish I could. And Job's trial is so bitter, especially this day that he's speaking about. And I tell you, this can be our experience too, dear child of God. The bitterness of suffering, whatever that suffering might be. There is a thought, of course, that barrenness can lead to bitterness. You find yourself in that dry place, in that, that barren place. Very often, it can bring you to a place of bitterness. It can lead you there. It did, in the, the physical sense, to Hannah. And we, we mentioned First Samuel chapter 1, and that's where I want to turn to now, just for a moment. And note what it says in verse 10. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And that, that barrenness that she experienced in the physical sense, not able to have children, it perplexed her greatly. And it brought her to this place of real bitterness in, his heart, in her heart. Great disappointment. The bitterness of sorrow, the bitterness of suffering, there's the bitterness of our shortcomings. And here I'm speaking about backsliding. Believer not being what they ought to be. It's often a bitter valley when we enter into a valley of, of failure and, and sin. We read concerning the backslider, the one who has failed the Lord and fallen short of what they ought to be. In the prophecy of Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 19. Thine own Wickedness shall correct thee. Thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter 
and bitter. Notice the word there. That thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. And that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. And so we see that, that backsliding Israel brought them to a place of bitterness. I want you to learn that even in the midst of our bitter experience, the Lord can bring us sweetness. I was just thinking about what we read in verse 25 of Exodus 15. Because when they were in Marah and the waters were bitter, the people murmur against Moses. We're told that Moses cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them. Moses prayed when, when the people murmured. It's a good thing when other people are murmuring that you pray, that I pray. That's what Moses did. And in answer to his prayer, the remedy was given. The Lord stepped in. The Lord showed him a tree. There was no healing virtue in the tree. It was a tree, but it was a means to an end. At, at the simple command of God and the obedience to that command, as he takes this tree and casts it into the water, the waters were made sweet. And God can bring sweetness in the midst of our bitter trials. I want you to know that, child of God. There is a tree whose leaves drop sweetness and whose taste is balm. And Jesus is that tree, the tree of life. He extends his bending branches to the anxious soul. There is the sweetness of his provision. When God steps in with his provision, as he did here at Marah, there was water, the water was bitter, but God steps in, he provides the need, he makes the water sweet, and God can provide for our needs. And when he does, when there's a, a deficit there, when there's a need there, and God steps in and answers to prayer, it brings a sweetness, God's provision. And there's the sweetness of God's person. Think of the Psalm 104 and verse 34. My meditation of him shall be sweet. Not him's the Lord. And when you just sit down in your times of bitterness and trouble and anxiety and you meditate upon him, upon our blessed Savior, your meditation can be so sweet and God can bring a joy to your heart. There's the sweetness of his proclamations. That's his words. Psalm 119 and verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yes, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. And in our bitter times when we come to the word of God, his words can come so sweet and reassuring to our hearts. There is the, the sweetness of his presence. Just to have the Lord with you, men and women tonight, can bring a sweetness. You know, the Lord Jesus is, is likened unto precious ointment. He is pictured under the, the metaphor or the picture of the rose of Sharon. He is seen to be honey from the rock, something that's sweet. Indeed, I was just looking at that Psalm 45 today and his garments, and I, I think there's a picture of Christ here 
his garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia. Just to have the presence of the Lord there, there's a sweetness about the presence of Christ that will do you good, especially in your bitter times. And then in verse 27 of our reading, I finish with this. There is the Elam experience. And that's the blessed place. In verse 27, they came to Elam, where were 12 wells of water and three score and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. At Elam, there was a great supply of all things necessary for the weary traveler. There was refreshment, wells of water. There were 12 of them, one for every tribe. There was shade, pictured here in the 70 palm trees on, under the shadow of those palm trees. There was shelter. And there was rest, for they encamped there. They, they stopped there. They rested there. And God can bring us to the place of blessing. Though God may for a time permit his people to journey through the barren wilderness and maybe even for a little season to encamp by the waters of Marah, yet that will not always be their lot. He will send blessing. He will. It may be worthwhile pointing out just by the way that their next experience was back into the wilderness again because chapter 16 and verse 1, they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came onto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And they enter into a time of murmuring again, a time of difficulty, rising up against Moses. You bring us here into this wilderness to die. I wish we had stayed back in Egypt and lived back there. It wasn't long before that they were called upon in the providence of God to endure the barren place again. So even when we're brought to the place of blessing, there are times when chapter 16, verse 1 might be our next step. But note whatever our lot, whatever our lot, whatever way God brings us, whether it is the the barren way or the bitter way or the blessed way, it is passing. It's passing. We're not in any of those situations forever because the scripture tells us here in this life, on this earth, we have no continuing city. We're passing through. McShane, he sang it tonight, says, when this passing world is done. And this world is going to be done for us all. And we are going to a better place. We are going to the eternal blessed place where there's neither barrenness nor bitterness nor any kind of discouragement that will cross our pathway ever again through the countless ages of eternity. So we keep our eyes on the Lord. We keep our eyes on the great hope that is before us. We keep our eyes on heaven itself. And these are the three experiences of our pilgrimage here on earth. May the Lord give us grace. Whatever we face day by day, whatever we're called upon to encounter, may he give us grace and may he bring a sweetness to us in every situation of life for Jesus' sake.
thought we would sing the hymn 633, There Shall Be Showers of Blessing. If we're in a barren place, praise God, the showers of blessing will come. Why? Because this is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. And there are mercy drops around us falling. We see God at work. Just hearing today over the past few weeks, there are five children at least have professed faith in Christ connected with our Sunday school. Little mercy drops. We see the people coming in and listening to God's word and we're just longing that God will touch their hearts and save them. We hear of what God is doing in individual lives as they share what God is doing for them and the way the Lord is leading them. But for the showers, we plead, may they come for Christ's sake. Let's stand and sing this hymn. Let's sing it with joy.
verse 4 again, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to record it, so I'm, I'm giving you warning so that you can look happy, all right, and you're, you're, you're joyful. Uh, sometimes the Ulster people look very dour whenever they're singing, but we have every reason to rejoice, every reason to be joyful. There shall be showers of blessing, oh, that today they might fall. All right, then. Thank you. Let's be in prayer for special meetings that are taking place just now. There's the gospel mission that you've been praying for in Ahori Orange Hall. That's down near Tandragee, Market Hill, Armagh, just somewhere in the centre of it all. And we've had the privilege of being asked to be one of the evangelists at that mission. Uh, we preached last night, we preached last Sunday night, and we just one more night to do this coming Wednesday. And the Reverend... John Morrow, you'll see there, the Reverend Fred Greenfield, and the resident minister in Tamagui, Reverend John Gray. This was the leaflet that they were giving out. And I noticed last night they also have a big banner outside the hall with the same information on it. And I was just greatly struck by the younger photograph and the colour of my hair was a wee bit darker. And I told them it was very kind of them to use a photograph from 10 or 15 years ago and put it there. But pray for the mission. The unconverted are coming in, coming in every night. Uh, the Reverend Gray said last night there were probably more unsaved in than any other night of the mission. So they're starting to come. The other is the Autumn Conference in Risharkin. And that begins this Sunday and goes on for the week. And I thought I brought one of the leaflets here, but I didn't. But... There's a few leaflets they've sent. They're on the, the shelves there as you leave tonight. If you want the information and those that are taking part, the various ministers and speakers and subjects, will then pick one up and uh, pray for it. And if you can go along some night that you're free, uh, do that also. Just to mention that the Missionary Council weekend is next weekend. And we had a full house. In fact, we had a, a small spillover and uh, there's at least one lot that has to stay in another hotel. But 
Just yesterday, because of a hospital appointment, there's a couple had to withdraw. So if there's anybody would like to come in at this late stage, uh, there's one room has become available and the price is £135 per person sharing. Okay. And if you're on your own, there's a supplement for the room. Just whatever price the hotel is charging. It'll be a good weekend. Uh, Friday night we're going to talk about Ukraine. And we have the pastor and his family. They'll be taking part uh, singing. We'll be having a testimony from Pastor Valentin. And I'm going to tell the story of the beginning of these folks coming till now. And there is a story to tell to give God the glory how they got here, how God provided for them. And so that is is a kind of an informal meeting on the first night. The Saturday meeting is um, a meeting where we have our conference meeting. And of course, you're you're welcome to come down 8 o'clock to the conference meeting, even the Friday night if you want to, and be part of that. Uh, There'll be the preaching of the Word. Dr. Douglas will preach that night. And we have various reports that will be given. Uh, from Spain through to others. I just can't remember offhand exactly. Don't want to get it mixed up. But we're looking forward to that. It'll be a good meeting. Sunday morning they'll come here and we're going to continue with the theme of missionary work. Josh Moffat will preach the word and the young people will sing a piece. Samuel, you're on the, on the Saturday night going to be testimony. We report on the VBS. I hope, I hope we remembered about all these things. And our young people will sing Sunday morning. And the Ukrainian choir, hopefully, will sing Sunday morning. We look forward to their ministry. So it's missionary uh, emphasis all the whole weekend. We showed you this the last time. And we just want you to keep them in prayer, the wee family that we were able to help. And we are thankful to Pastor Sabine's wife, Emma, who has been uh, a great help here. She... she contacted me today to say she was going out to visit this family again today and to help them with some needs in the midst of sickness in the family and the mother having had to come through an operation. If you were with us in the summertime, this was some of the children and even the adults that came and we had a really good time just ministering the word. It was the first time in this place. and I said to Emma, Emma, we might be able to send over a little gift for these children so we might do that. That's in Tesco, that's what the offer is at the minute. So we're maybe going to get 80 of these. She says there's about 80 children and send them out. This parcel is going out. It was to be collected today. It'll probably be tomorrow morning to Stefan and Trina's family. Just some clothes for their children. He, he rang me today. It's always very difficult to speak to someone who doesn't speak English. And I don't speak Romanian. You know, I can say hello. I can ask, how are you? But to have a conversation, it's almost impossible. He has some words, but this was Stefan on, on the left side, and the wee link up that we had with him. And this is um, Florentina in the middle. And then the right-hand side, I didn't get quite taken in time, but he was just showing me all the lines of washing that his wife had done. And that's an encouragement to see that he's looking after the children and they're, they're keeping them clean and so forth. So do, do pray for them. This was uh, the P7 children singing at the service in the manual. Um, I would think that's 
yesterday morning. We need to look up the WhatsApp. Maybe it was yesterday morning. I only saw this today. And if it wasn't yesterday morning, it was Sunday morning. Okay. But uh, good to see the kids in Emmanuel. Some of our young people have been there. You might recognize some of those faces. Pray for Noreen. Pray for the work there that God will prosper his cause and his kingdom. We come to our time of prayer, which means we leave our audience uh, on the internet. We say good night. We thank you for joining us. And we trust that you know God's blessing just now as you go your way. Maybe have a wee time of prayer uh, with yourself and the Lord and maybe family members that are with you. So good night and God bless. That's us all for life.